Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. This is a trigger warning that in this episode we speak about eating disorders and body image issues. If you find these conversations disturbing, perhaps skip this episode and come back for more running chats next week. Welcome back to the Femi Pod for episode number 74. I am here as always with Esther, and this week we have a very special guest all the way from America. This guest is not only an incredible athlete, but also a huge voice for change. Ali Ostrander is a three times NCAA Division I champion, but so much more than her results on the track. Ali is an incredible advocate for women in sport and body image issues. Ali has her own story around her relationship with sport, and we are so excited to dive into it today. Hey, Ali, welcome to the FemiPod. We are so excited to have you here. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, just finished up a long bike ride and now I'm just kind of relaxing. I was actually editing a YouTube video, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited. We are so excited to get into things. Um, so are you in um, Alaska at the moment or are you in Boise or whereabouts? I am currently in Seattle and that's where I live most of the time. I travel around a lot, but this is the home base. Cool. So let's dive right in. Can you take us back to when you were a young girl and what role did sport play in your life as you were growing up? Yeah. uh, So when I was younger, I did a lot of different sports. I did basketball, soccer, cross-country skiing, track, cross-country running. Um, I grew up in Alaska, um, so that's why I did skiing. Uh, And yeah, I feel like it was always a pretty big role. When I was really young, I wasn't into sports at all. I'm talking like four or five But somewhere around six, seven, something like shifted inside of me. And all of a sudden I became like competitive and really liked sports and beating the boys and just like in general competing. And so from there on, sports were a pretty big part of my life. And like it was definitely something that I always looked forward to and just just loved doing. So, yeah, I mean, sports were always like very positive to me. I felt like sometimes growing up, you know, I was a little bit shy, but in sports and athletics, I was never shy. I was always just like the one that was all over the place on the field or the court, like chasing after the ball, going very hard, playing with the boys at recess. So yeah, it, it, they were, they were, it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. And what sort of age did you kind of start taking running a lot more seriously? Like when you were at high school, did you have a track team and an athletics team that you were part of? Um, yeah, so I was very into soccer until about my sophomore year of high school. So that's 10th grade. So I was 16, basically. Um, up till that point, I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I'm better at running, but I love soccer. I want to do that in college. But then at that point, um, the soccer team I was playing for, like there weren't enough girls that wanted to play anymore. So that ended and I just decided to focus on running and I just ran on like the the high school team 
yeah it's interesting for us down in New Zealand like it's not really a thing I mean there are more teams at high schools now but growing up there weren't that many actual teams for like runners at school but it was we always looked over kind of to the the systems over in America and opportunities that were over there and it's definitely improving here which is great but um kind of different childhood which is interesting you have spoken quite in depth about your challenges with fueling in the past. Um, you've been super open about your eating disorder. We don't feel like we need to get into the depths of that today because so many other people have told it so well. And as I said, you've been so open with that. So for those who want to hear Ali's full story, we'll link her chat to the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast in the show notes. But we're really interested in understanding your relationship with your body more. You um, obviously felt pressure, whether it was internal or external pressure to mold yourself and your body to fulfill somewhat of these expectations. For both of us, we heavily felt that pressure from running coaches in the running world as a whole. Can you talk us through this journey for you and where that kind of pressure came from? Yeah. So as I said, I was really into soccer when I was younger, but I still ran um, cross country and track, you know, from third grade on. And so when I was in, and I strongly identified with being a runner because it, from the start, that was where I had the most natural talent. And so when I was in, um, I think fifth grade, I was watching my sister run a track me. And I remember like, she's, she's three years older than me. So she was in eighth grade and she, she was running fine, but she just hadn't really improved from the year before. And I just remember hearing people like making comments about how, you know, she had gone through puberty and that's why she hadn't like, she hadn't gotten better that year. And now it was like, she's running with a 15 pound backpack and like all this stuff. And I mean, I was really young. I think I was 10 or 11 and just super impressionable. And I remember hearing those words and just immediately like taking it to heart and being like, well, I care about my running. So I can't let that happen to me. I need to like find a way to control that. You know, I have to be able to control my body so that I can be the best that I can be in running. And, um, and then those sorts of thoughts that I had had initially at that point were only reinforced as I went through middle school and high school and people saw me run and, you know, whether they were fans, supporters of me or people that wanted to see me fail, usually the narrative was she's really good because she's small or like, oh yeah, she's so small. She just speeds over the course or yeah, she's good now, but she'll hit puberty and slow down. And so I feel like just hearing that so much from uh, just, you know, bystanders, people around um, parents, things like that, like um, it just, it just really cemented that thought in my head and made me feel like if my body changed and I slowed down or I plateaued that it was, it was my fault that I was doing something wrong. And I mean, looking back now, I, I just regret that so much. And the narrative was so off, but I just didn't know any better. Yeah, wow. It's, it's crazy how much impact people's words have and they would just have no idea what that's actually doing to someone. Like, you know, when you take yourself back to your 10 year old self, it makes me sad for you that you heard that and that impacted you. But I have a similar story with that as well. And people putting pressure on me as a junior athlete and I did the exact same thing I tried to control it it's um 
So a really clear message for people that are bystanders and parents and coaches and people in support systems to be like, be really careful with what they say and how they say things because it really can impact mm-hmm. people so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. Like, especially now that I'm older and wiser than I was when I was 10 or 11, it's just knowing that almost everyone that said those things had zero education on human physiology, exercise physiology, any of that. Like they had no knowledge. They had no grounds to stand on to say those things. It's just people making comments and and they don't realize the impact that that can have at all. Yeah, that's so true. Like we need to get that education out there more. That's why what you're doing with, you know, your social media and everything um, is really impactful because so many people will be learning more and understanding, you know, actually what I'm saying is incorrect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, both Leds and I um, have battled with comparison as well. And I think being a woman, we're constantly being pinned up against one another. And I know in America, I've seen certain videos talking about how, you know, the commentators speak about women's weight. And then in the men's races, they don't speak about the men's weight. Um, and it's just that constant comparison about people who are, you know, out running or competing in sport. What's your relationship mm-hmm. been like with comparison to other athletes in, in the running space? Uh, I think it's really hard. And, you know, there's, there is this idea that you have to be a certain size or a certain leanness to be competitive in sport. And I think part of that is because, you know, there are so many very like lean athletes that are successful. Um, and a lot of the time that gets misconstrued as a causation rather than a correlation. Um, and for me, I think I, I fell into that as well and was thinking, you know, I can only be successful if, if I look this way. Um, and so I chased that, that body instead of chasing a result. And I mean, it was, it was very damaging to me. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, I was chasing this body. And then maybe I I looked, looked like a runner at stereotypically. And that was, that was what showed online was that I was successful and this is what I looked like. And I'm like, now that I'm an example, I'm one of the runners that these young girls are looking at and they're thinking I need to look like that. And which is why I feel like it's important for me to be open about my past and my struggles because I want people to know that like, I didn't look like that when I was actually taking care of myself, that that isn't actually something they should shoot for. I'm not saying that every runner that looks, you know, really lean has an eating disorder. I'm just saying that there has to be an understanding that like, that isn't a, you know, body that is achievable for everyone in a healthy way and that like there are many different bodies that can be successful it's different for everyone and that there has to be like a level of trust with your own body and it kind of telling you what it needs and it being the size that it needs to be for success in athletics and like for me one of the hardest things through like my entire ED recovery has been like accepting that and being able to have confidence in myself when I don't have a look because for so long I think the way I looked gave me confidence in my ability to perform and I'm just trying to completely separate those things 
and and see my performance as something very separate from you know my appearance yeah it's so true I actually did this task last year where I pulled photos of myself from the last 10 years I think it was together and showed like how I looked have looked so similar over the last 10 years in terms of weight and have my performance has improved so much but like how I actually look hasn't changed you know to be like well the way you look does not mean that you're going to perform a certain way at all but I think in the running world it's so intertwined and people really think that there is that connection and yeah when Est mentioned like both of us have suffered from comparison pretty badly you know I used to line up on marathon start lines and literally look at the other woman out the front there with me and be like I don't look like them there's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with them and and now we kind of see that like those real world experiences of comparison being brought into the digital world and with social media it's obviously been around for a while now and we know that comparison on social media is a big thing but for runners tools like Strava and other digital tools that we use where it's really specific numbers that we're putting out into the world that people can look at and compare themselves against like what are your thoughts and how do you kind of approach tools like Strava if you do use it in a way that you're not constantly comparing what you're doing to what others are doing yeah um so obviously I am very active online I do use Strava you know I have Instagram and YouTube but I am intentional about like who I follow on Instagram and like personally I I can't follow a ton of runners like I do follow some like people that I've met personally and I'm friends with um but I just probably don't follow as many runners as like the amount I'm interested in running and the whole running world just because like seeing them on social media makes me compare myself too much it like it drains me and it makes me question myself and lose confidence. And as much as I'd like to be like more intertwined in that space online, I know that it's not healthy for me. So that's just something I've learned over the years. And then on Strava, I follow like seven people, I think. (laughs) Um, And it's literally like my sister and then like my friends that I like already know what their run was and what pace they went because I was either with them or like they told me about it later. So yeah, I I pretty much don't like I never really scroll Strava except if like my sister's like, yeah, I did a workout. You should go look at it and then I'll go look at it. But like I don't I don't like actually scroll because I know I will like see people's workouts and it will it will make me feel like I have something to prove. Um and I, yeah, so I don't really do that, but, um, on YouTube, I post a ton of my workouts and stuff, but it's not like, um, professional runners that are commenting on there. It, it's like old dads that are like, wow, good job. <laughs> so that just builds me up. Um, and there's this guy that comments on shout out to Randy. He comments on every YouTube video, like eight paragraphs and it's always personal anecdotes about like him and his cat and his ex-wife and his friend and like I know so much about Randy's life it is actually crazy but I mean shout out him I read every comment they're great (laughs) 
It is amazing. Oh, it's so funny. I really love watching your uh, YouTube workout videos because it's so relatable and like we're all, it feels like we're all there with you, um, like doing the workout and it's just cool because like as runners, we're obviously out there doing it ourselves a lot of the time. We both train alone. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of like feel like you're part of someone else's workout sometimes. <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna lie when I've been injured sometimes when I'm on the like bike or elliptical doing a workout I'll watch one of my old workout videos and be like it's just like I'm running it's just like it (laughs) yeah Yeah, if I have to ever cross train I just put like mindless things on like shit's creek um so (laughs) just zone out um yeah I I wanted to ask you one more question about Strava because I think this is more from myself I have like suffered injuries and things like that. And then I found that I would compare myself to myself or like be worried of other people judging me. I wondered if that ever impacted you in terms of like, um, cause you probably have heaps of followers on Strava. Do you reckon that them following you either ever impacts how, how you run? Cause I know for me personally, I used to like run my warm downs too fast. Cause I was like, didn't want the average pace to drop. <laughs> Which is, um, yeah, I feel like, not really I I don't I haven't used it for that long I just got it at the beginning of this year so I guess you know it hasn't it hasn't been that big of a sample size but I don't feel like it really affects me because no one really comments anything about like my my workouts and stuff I don't know usually the only thing I pay attention to on Strava is like sometimes I'll try to make like a joke in the caption or the or the like description and all I look out for is people telling me I'm funny basically <laughs> like that that is <laughs> how I spend my time on Strava <laughs> well if your Instagram reels anything to go by then I'm sure your Strava captions are pretty funny <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh love it we speak a lot about confidence and Femi and you touched on it before um but how like movement and running in particular can be like an awesome tool to build confidence. And then it can also, you know, be the opposite as well, depending on how you're looking at it. But when you reflect on your journey, can you see a pattern or change in confidence over the years? I know probably aligns to, you know, what you've been going through with your eating disorder and coming out the other side and, and finding peace with that. But um, yeah. Have you noticed patterns over the years? Yeah. So I think in high school, I lacked a lot of confidence in like who I was and I was just a lot more shy. Um, And then through my life, I've just like continued to gain more confidence in myself as a person. And I think part of that's from running, like having something that I'm good at and I feel like proud of and accomplished with definitely helps me build confidence. But also just like everything I've gone through because of running, you know, injuries and working through those eating disorder, working through recovery, like social media or like getting attention in the media and like working through that, um, dealing with things very publicly. It, it has like built a lot of character. Um, and it's also just like built me up in terms of my resilience, um, and, and just my confidence in general, I think, I think it's like natural too. just as you get older to, to slowly give like fewer fucks about like what other people think and just have more like personal appreciation for like what you're able to do and who you are. 
Um, but I definitely feel that like, and I think running and, and everything that it has put me through has kind of accelerated that. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I didn't probably feel that confident in myself until I was like in my thirties, to be honest, like it it is a real journey, isn't it? Lack of confidence coming and going in your twenties and with racing in particular, like we've both, Esther and I both battled um, with sickness over the last couple of years and haven't been able to race very much because of COVID and everything else going on. And, you know, I definitely felt like I lost a lot of confidence by not even being able to participate in running, but it's also one of those things you don't want to rely on running and racing to give you confidence because when you can't Mm -hmm. be able to sustain it somehow, Um, but it is a bit of a battle. Can we chat a little bit more about you on YouTube? Because as we mentioned, we love the content that you're putting out into the world. from you know the funny memes that you put onto IG and then you also have very like serious conversations about what you're going through in your eating disorder what kind of instigated you sharing so much on social media and how have you got to a place where you've become so vulnerable with sharing your life on the internet yeah well so I first started my YouTube channel because my boyfriend um Spencer Brown the athlete special on YouTube we started dating at the end of 2020 and I would be hanging out with him and he'd be like editing a YouTube video and I was just thinking you know that doesn't look too hard it looks kind of fun I like being in the videos and he encouraged me to start my own so I did and then so I was consistently posting on YouTube up until I went to eating disorder treatment. Um, I was in like a six week program or I was in a program for six weeks. It's not a six week program, but I was there for six weeks. And during that time I was still posting on YouTube, but I wasn't open about what I was going through. And it just felt very weird to, because I try to keep it pretty real. And at that point, I was hiding so much, you know, trying to act, you know, like happy in the videos and upbeat, but behind the scenes was like crying before and after every workout was just really struggling emotionally, like feeling like I didn't have the energy to show up to workouts or to perform in them or hit splits and was training alone. And and it would just sucked. And eventually Um, I just was like, you know what, I have to be open about this because I, it feels really bad to me to not be open about it more so than it scares me to be open about it. So I think like the cost benefit just like tipped in the direction of being open. And then another part of it is kind of what I was talking about earlier is I do feel guilt for being a bad example And as much as it's not my fault, I still don't like that I was not really demonstrating like a healthy relationship with food and body. And um, so I feel like being able to share about it is kind of doing my part at, you know, healing the damage that maybe I did, but also just at like, Basically, what I went through in my in my personal experience was horrendous, and I want to prevent that for other people. I I think I didn't start making changes until pretty late in my life. I was twenty four, and 
if I had started earlier, I think it would have been a lot easier. And if I had never gone down that path, then it would have been really easy. So I just want to try to prevent that for as many people as I can. And sometimes I get questions from people like, are you glad that, you know, all of this happened to you? So now you can help so many people. And I'm like, look, I, I think I'm a pretty nice person, but I'm not that nice. Like I am not that altruistic. I wish that I could turn back the clock, never go through any of this and not share about it online. And just, we, we are all just living happily. But like, since I did go through it, I feel like it's the silver lining that I can at least share my own experience and help some people. And so that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You can always find like a positive of it, but if you had to choose, you wouldn't want to go. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not. The, this isn't the path I'm choosing. <laughs> yeah. I think Liz and I are both the same. Like we're grateful that it's like, was us to start Femi together and, and go through and help other women. But yeah, we'd never wish what we went through on anyone. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure um but yeah talking of social media um we we know how much it's changed the space for women in sport and it's really given women um a tool to share their voice and their values and their morals alongside their sport as well and it's um I think it's really impact the interest in women's sport as well which is awesome to see and that's really thanks to people like you and people that share um you know vulnerable stories that have impacted who they are today and yeah so kudos to you but Firstly, do you realize the impact that you're having and how does that make you feel now? Like, I'm sure you get messages all the time from young girls and and women reaching out to you, but yeah, how does that make you feel now um, impacting all those women? Yeah, it's a really good feeling, especially when, like you said, I do get messages from people saying like, I decided to pursue recovery or you really helped me through it or all of that. Um, And I also think it, it adds another layer of commitment for me to stay in recovery and stay on this path because I I want to continue to be a good example for people. Obviously, I have other intrinsic motivators too, but that that is an additional motivation. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's definitely like a really cool opportunity. And I don't always feel like I'm making an impact but I do feel like, you know, I'm doing what I can. I sometimes reflect and try to think if I was 10 and I saw this video or I saw this post, would this change the rest of my life? And I, I don't know, like, I can't, I can't answer that question because I didn't see that post when I was 10, but I like to think that it does, you know, 1% of the time or something like that. Because even if it's 1%, like that's, that's huge. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so cool that even just in the running world, I think when we were younger, athletics was like super naff. No one really cared about it. No one really watched it unless it was the Olympics. And then the other three years, no one would even like give a shit about athletics. But now because athletes and in particular female athletes like yourself are actually sharing their stories and becoming personalities, more and more people are actually inclined to pay attention to our sport and people are going along and watching races and it's not just the Olympics. And I think 
that's the beauty of it. And for women in sport, it's not just running, it's all female sport that no one used to care about. And now people care because they actually know the participants. And it's awesome to see like women just getting more attention, the attention that they deserve, to be honest. Uh, we kind of touched yeah. on this earlier around, um, you know, sharing your runs on Strava, but when it actually comes to social media, like how do you balance being content creative versus like focusing on your performance? Are you like adapting your workouts and your training to create content or do you ever, ever feel like one is influencing the other? Um, yeah. So I really try to put athletics and performance first because I, I'm an athlete over a content creator. Um, but yeah, sometimes it is hard because I really, really enjoy the content creation side of things. And I, I watch quite a bit of YouTube as well. And so I see all these like crazy challenges, like, you know, doing David Goggins life and like, you know, just like I climb Mount Everest on a Stairmaster and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I really want to try this stuff. I really want to do that. I really want to make that video. Um, but I have to rein myself in and just remind myself that that isn't, you know, part of the training plan. Um, but like, while I've been injured, it's, it's been kind of hard. Cause I like, usually the, the majority of my content is running and my workouts and my training. And when I'm injured, it's like, I, I don't really want to just make a 10 minute video of me on a stationary bike. I don't think that's that entertaining. So I've had to get a little more creative with stuff, but I've actually, appreciated how that's kind of made me branch out and try new things on YouTube. So that part of it has, has been, you know, an unforeseen blessing. <laughs> I know the video of you, I can't remember who the fitness influencer was, but you were living the day in her life. And I found that hilarious because I'm like, you're also a very, very fit human being, <laughs> um, but just different. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, that was fun. I like doing stuff like that. And also I was definitely like cherry picking in like people's lives to live that like did a lot of cross training. Cause I was like, I still need to like do my training plan, but like, let's make it fun. <laughs> so you spice it up. I, um, I think my personal favorite is on your Instagram and it's that one where you like start your, I think it's your tempo at like mile pace or something. And then it's like fun days to die or whatever that sound goes. <laughs> oh yeah I I like that one (laughs) sometimes on those posts like people will comment stuff like yeah pretty obvious you took this video just for the Instagram you're not actually starting a tempo and I was like yeah I took it for the Instagram like you think that I just like yes I just I just took this clip I was in the middle of a normal run (laughs) and I took a clip that is not a crime yeah exactly and you're bringing joy to people's lives you're making them laugh yeah that's a great thing (laughs) I feel like people always have problems online they just will find something that annoys them (laughs) yeah so Um, weird I'd love to ask like about your relationship with running specifically and how it's changed over the years and like what it's like now because I know for me it was like when I was younger it was really obsessive and probably unhealthy and then it's got to I don't know a different place now Yeah, Um, I definitely think that it has changed. Um, I I have always loved running and I think like even through having an eating disorder, like I really maintained that love for it. I never got to a point where it felt like a chore at all, which was really good. 
Um, but I definitely with exercise in general, um, I've gone through periods where I was definitely like dealing with exercise addiction or compulsive exercise. And, um, it's been something I've worked through and like last year I didn't have a coach and I just like realized that that's something I really need. I think that I do have the ability to like write my own training, but, I'm not good at reining myself in. And so that's why this year I decided to work with a coach and just have someone that can check me and make sure that I'm training with intention and a purpose instead of just exercising in general, because it makes me feel good about myself. So yeah, that's, that's like the biggest thing for me. I don't feel like my relationship with running in general ever got to a bad place, but exercise definitely is it's still something I have to like really be careful about Mm, I think we've all probably been there but you know for me in particular I used to run a lot to see what I can run and try and qualify for teams and win national titles and it was quite focused on performance and metrics and whereas now I still want to run fast and would love to be running PVs but it's more so just like the act of running and what it can do for my mental health. Do you feel like you're still quite focused on performance or are you kind of a bit of both or where's your head at when you're approaching like your relationship with running? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely still focused on performance. I still have big goals and I feel like I have untapped potential um, that I'm just, you know, waiting, waiting to harness eventually. Um, But I think, you know, through this last few years, kind of having a lot of injuries and not being able to run as much as I would like, I have noticed how beneficial just going for an easy run can be for my mental health, how therapeutic that is, and also how much of a social aspect running has of just going for runs with people, meeting people at the track, all of that. Um, And so as much as performance is is super important to me. I also appreciate those other aspects of running. Yeah, there's so much good that comes with running. <laughs> That's why yeah. we love what we do because we're not always speaking to high-performing elite athletes, you know, and just to have women who just want to move their bodies in a purposeful way is just like so rewarding because running is so, it's just an incredible tool for your confidence and how you feel about yourself as a whole. Yeah. Before we wrap up, we'd love to chat to you a little bit more about paying attention to your female body. And as you know, at Femi, we speak about the menstrual cycle and how powerful periods are. Um, what what was it What was it like when you were going through your eating disorder? And what have you learned about your female body? I know for both Esther and myself, when we lost our periods, when we suffered reds, no one really told us that it was a bad thing to lose your period. So we almost celebrated the fact we didn't have a period. Was that the same for you? And if so, like, how did you kind of work through that? Yeah. So since my eating disorder started so young, I actually never got my period um, in until um, last summer. So I was um, 20, 25 and a half. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like honestly never saw it as an issue. I was not at all all educated on like the importance of getting a period and like basically what that means for your, your health, your bone density, your reproductive health, all of that. Like 
all I knew was that I didn't have to deal with bleeding every month, basically. And I was like, well, that seems, that seems overall positive. And, you know, I had to get like a physical every year and it just like, it was never brought up as an issue basically, which is just crazy to me now, like knowing all the damage that was done by not having one for that many years. And, um, yeah, it's, it just is kind of, I think that it's such a bigger conversation now than it was back in, you know, 2010, which is great. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been, um, eye opening kind of learning more about that. And also now having gotten my period and being able to see like how it, kind of changes the way I feel throughout the month, you know, emotionally, physically, all of that seeing like how it changes or how it impacts my training um, and what I'm able to handle all of those things. So yeah, it's been really interesting and definitely something that as soon as I started getting one, I was like, there's got to be more research around this. Like we've got to know more because I mean, basically like I'm like, this is obviously impacting my body somehow and I just don't know really all the intricacies of it um but yeah so it's been it's been really interesting but uh I definitely regret having less knowledge um when I was younger yeah it's totally not your fault right like you were in the system and you were probably looked after by um I don't know what it would be called over there but in New Zealand, it's like high performance sport, New Zealand. Um, and even when I was 15 and an emerging talent athlete, they never spoke to me either about my cycle. So when it disappeared, when I was 13 for a couple of years, like no one asked me about it either. And it's like, I reckon that should be, you should be being asked that all the time. And I know in New Zealand now, a lot of the high performance team get asked every month if they get their cycle. Um, and when, if it starts to disappear or change, they like, change their nutrition or like tweak their training a little bit and make sure it comes back. And I feel like that just needs to happen across the board um, for sports and for women who, you know, who have cycles, obviously contraception and stuff is another story, but yeah, it's totally not your fault. You know, it's just the education system is there's nothing there. Um, but yeah, we totally need more research. Um, we'll need to get Femi theory across to you. Yeah. We'll get Femi theory. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you kind of touched on it then, but um do you like train at all around your cycle? Like is your coach helping you in that sense or are you sort of doing it yourself and just learning more about your body along the way? Um, Like we definitely don't change training depending on where I am in my cycle, but I track it and then I kind of know basically like there are certain times where my heart rate will be lower um, and there are certain times where my heart rate will be higher. There are certain times where like, I'll probably feel sad for like a week. Um, and I just kind of learned to like expect those things and, um, not necessarily see it as like, Oh, my heart rate's really high today. I'm not recovered. It's like, no, this is just like the time of the month where my heart rate's going to be high. So just knowing like what to expect basically. Yeah. I think that's the beauty in it, right? Like it's just understanding like 
or setting expectations that you feel are realistic. So for me, like when I didn't know anything about my menstrual cycle and I'd go into workouts where my hormones were high, but didn't know it and I wouldn't be able to hit paces, I would just lose so much confidence in myself. And then I'd try and go and train harder when it was actually like my body was needing the opposite, like just more rest and more food. Uh, so it's <laughs> just an understanding of where you're at and then just expecting things and setting your expectation at the appropriate place. So you kind of touched on where you're at now and wanting to chase some big goals and some fast times. Do you want to share with us uh, where you're at for the rest of the year? Have you got any big races on the cards? I know it sounds like you're moving into some trails as well. Yeah, um, I am hoping to really have like a trail season this year, which I've never done before. Super excited for that. I'm going to start out with the dolomiths run in italy like in the dolomites so i'm going to europe in july which i am so stoked for i've never um like raced in europe so and yeah i'm just really excited for the opportunity and after that i'm gonna uh spend about a month in the south of france training and then i'm gonna race at sierra zanal in switzerland um, and then come back to the U.S. for Pikes Peak and maybe Mammoth Trail Fest. So, yeah, that's kind of my basic schedule for this summer. Um, I'm really, really excited about it. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I was going to race in June, but just because of, like, taking some time off of running for this injury and wanting to build back slow and being able to have a full season I'm scratching that one from the calendar but um yeah hoping that like that that time will allow me to have a really long good trail season so cool that sounds so fun very cool yeah I just want to ask what's made you want to go into trails instead of like track or or you're still doing both uh, yeah, I feel like I do. I still have unfinished business on the track. So I want to go back to that at some point. But um, I've just I, I grew up really loving the trails, trail running mountains, all of that. And I've always kind of wanted to get back to that eventually. And um, Normal, the brand that is now my sponsor, kind of reached out to me and they really wanted me to have a trail presence because they're a trail brand. So I was like, well, this seems like a, a good time and kind of a sign for me to to dabble in that a bit. And they're really open to me, you know, racing on the track some or I did road races earlier this year doing that um, as long as, you know, I'm still representing them on the trails. So, yeah, I, it, it just kind of pushed me towards that. And it was something I knew I would do eventually, but um, I figured why not now? So cool. I can't wait to see what you can do on the trails. Yeah. We um our listeners will laugh at this because we always talk about how hard the steeplechase is. Yeah. And then we couldn't do it. Because I oh, we spoke to another steeplechaser a couple of weeks ago, Bex, our strength coach. And uh I don't know how you do steeplechase. Like it just looks like the toughest race, but I'm sure that will set you up well for the trails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I feel like everyone says that, you know, trail steeplechase is kind of like trail running. I'm like, I really don't know if they're similar <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you you gotta you gotta stay focused though. You can't just like zone out and like, you know, just follow the leader. You've gotta like actually remember that there are barriers. So I guess there there is some correlation there. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's not just running around the 400 flat track. I guess that's yeah. the only thing. <laughs> Uh, two quick fire questions just to wrap up the first one being if you could go back to your younger your younger self your say 14 or 15 year old self what would you tell her I would just say trust your body trust your ability and know that if you want to reach your greatest potential that you have to take care of yourself and your overall health love it yeah so true and then the last question um, what is your purpose on Mother Earth right now? Uh, I would say right now it is to spread awareness around the importance of fueling properly, taking care of yourself, and also just, you know, adding a little laughter to people's days. <laughs> You're definitely bringing the laughter to our days. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I think, um, <laughs> Yeah, you live and breathe what we talk about at Femi all the time. So we're so grateful to have you on the podcast today. I know our listeners would have absolutely loved this conversation and you inspire us and so many others as well. So thank you so much. We will um, tag Ellie into our show notes. You can go ahead and follow her on Instagram um, and her YouTube and um, have a good laugh uh, and also be inspired. And um, if you want to come at us on Instagram, we're at Femi.co or you can head to our website, Femi.co. But thank you so much, Ellie. Your religion. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much.